Now we're gonna have the split sermon by Mr. Art Williams entitled Salvation Step One, the Spring Holy Days. Good afternoon, everyone. Fine looking group here this afternoon. Salvation, step one, the spring holy days. But before we can participate, we must believe, and we must have faith. We must accept Christ as our Savior. Now, the definition of faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And the evidence of me being here is that you can hear my voice, even though you cannot see me. Good afternoon. Were you on the internet? You weren't having a defective computer. I was not up here at the podium. I wanted to illustrate faith, though, because we hear the word of God, and we're guided by the Spirit after we receive it. And that brings us to our spring holy days. And it's important because in Hebrews 4, 2, it's written, for unto us the gospel was, was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So faith is really important. And so the plan of salvation unfolds with Jesus, his birth, his baptism. And for those of us that accept Christ, believe in faith, and seek his approval, the holy days instruct us on his plan of salvation. And they begin in just a few days from hence. In Matthew 3, 16 and 17, it's, it's written, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And continuing in Matthew 28, 1 through 7, we get to the end of Jesus' ministry. It started with his baptism, and it concludes with his sacrifice. In the end of the Sabbath, it was began to draw toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and her other Mary and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came back, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Can you imagine that, experiencing that? There you are, you come upon an angel whose countenance is like lightning, whose raiment is like snow. I think we would probably be shaking a little bit. Our knees would be knocking also. And they became as dead men. And if you've ever been really, really scared, and I uh, was at one time, and I, I stepped out. I was fishing at the time, and I wanted to go from the east pond to the west pond. And there was a vehicle that was parked there. And I looked out from the front of the vehicle and saw no cars were coming. 
So I came behind the vehicle and stepped out. And I didn't see the car that was shaded by the vehicle on the side. And I stepped right out in front of that car. And if I was wearing diapers, they would have had to have been changed. But it, the, scar, the car stopped about a foot from me, and I wasn't hit. But I became as a dead man. I literally could not move. All I can do is, as I already mentioned. <clears throat> and the angel answered and said to the woman, Fear not you, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he goes before you into Galilee. There shall he, <clears throat> shall you see him, and lo, I have told you. We were not there to see these events, but we believe these events. And through our experience with him in guiding and directing our lives is why we believe because we know he's alive, because he reveals himself to us through his word and through our answering our prayers and guiding our lives. Life can be challenging. And it has a, any number of burdens that we have to face. And they, they, they vary widely from our position in life, our economic situation, our political situations, the nation we live in, life and death, being able to make enough money to put food in our mouths, to put our kids to college. These are all burdens. In 2 Corinthians 5, 4 through 9, for we who are in this tent, grown, this tent being physical life, being burdened, and we have plenty of burdens in this life, uh, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. And so we get rid of these burdens by becoming a spirit being. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us, this is continuing in 2 Corinthians 5, 4 through 9, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith, another big subject. Sometimes we don't know what he does, and sometimes events happen to us, and we don't know. Maybe it's something that's negative. But out of that negative, he works his purpose, because at least in my experience, in my hard head, he could have never got me over there. He could only get me over there by doing something negative that caused me, I had to go over there, grumbling all the way. And I get there, and this really wonderful thing happens. So we never know. And that's part of him molding us into what he wants us to be. We're the clay. And through faith, we respond to him. In Hebrews 11:6 it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Applying faith. One of those applications is being instant in prayer. You know, life 
for me is, is not really easy. I mean, I, I am a very emotional person, and my emotions overcome my brain more often than not. And the emotions of fear and anger and love are very powerful. And in one, any one of those circumstances, it's like click off the spiritual aspects of things and get into this carnal mode. And you have to really be close to God and have an instant, instantly this small voice says to you, that's not right. And so you, you, you suppress this inappropriate response and you go forth. And in that instance, you grow. In that instance, you grow. Because in 2 Corinthians 5.8, we are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. And that's part of what the Holy Days help us with making it our aim to be well-pleasing to him. One of the greatest sacrifices ever made was the sacrifice of Jesus. The humility that is involved in that. Stepping down from a God family member to become a human being. And then let your own creation, who in some instances hate you, kill you, so that you can redeem them later on is extremely example of humility. Probably one of the toughest things for mankind to achieve is humility. We allow our own goals and objectives or wants to get in the way. Continuing in Philippians 2.12, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Fear, reverence for God, fearful to go away from him, even though we all fall into the ditch from time to time. We, we run off chasing a red herring or a black swan sometimes, and then we trip over the rock and we realize the reality of what we're doing. Continuing in Romans 8, 10 and 11. And if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And that's what we do on Passover night. We recognize this and we reconfirm our commitment to Jesus Christ at the Passover. And following that is the day of unleavened bread. Unleavened bread. Leavening which puffs up. Unleavening does not puff up. Example of humility. One week worth of feeding on humility spiritual development. Continuing in Romans 8, 1 through 3, Now there is therefore 
no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of life in Jesus Christ, for the, for the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ, has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, and there's nothing wrong with the law, the fault was the weakness in the flesh that's utterly unable to comply with the requirements. And that's what the Old Testament example is about. Man's inability to comply to those requirements. And so God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. And that's our fleshly reactions again, and I mentioned this already, often surrounds emotions. Lust, anger, fear, greed, opinions, primary igniters of emotion. Continuing in Romans 8, verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, when we receive the Spirit, there are gifts that come with the Spirit. I have a list here of quite a number of them. I didn't count out how many. Well over 12. There's probably 18 or 20 of them. Just to mention a few. The first one is all the way back in Exodus 31, 1 through 5, where he gives skill and knowledge in crafts to the builders of the temple. And if we go to 1 Corinthians 12, where many of the gifts are listed, we'll find helping others. That's an easy one to do because we probably have, all have many more opportunities than we take examples than what we uh, actually uh, go ahead and help people with. And sometimes there are, are places where we shouldn't get involved in helping people because of what those circumstances are. Sometimes we help people and it comes up on the short on the stick for us. There are all kinds of, if you watch any of the court cases on TV, you can see exactly what happens in some of those. Another, another gift of the Spirit is distinguishing between spirits. Miraculous powers, healing, faith, 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 a gift of the Spirit. Knowledge, correctly understanding the scriptures. Knowledge of how you should apply those scriptures. Knowledge of how faith and knowledge come together to work out a situation. There's one here I wasn't going to mention because it only applies to Reggie and me. That, that has to do with being single. We won't, we, won't, we won't go there. Encouraging others. Uh, there's so many different ways we can do that. Sometimes we don't even know when people need encouragement. You know, we, we can take people for granted. They're always there. And sometimes people have a little bit of pride and they don't want to know they're down. And Sometimes if you're, if you're close to someone, you can perceive a difference in their personality 
or their routine, and you can say, that was abnormal. There's something going on in that person's life. Showing mercy. Exercising leadership, that one in itself is a big one. I had uh, a man say to me one time, and he, he used an example of leadership essentially as applying leverage to people. I just shook my head and walked away. Leadership is so much more than applying leverage to people, which is, in my estimation, my opinion, may ring the bell, is extortion. But anyway, contributing to others, to their needs, not only physically, but psychologically, emotionally. And then as many of our, our people do here, teaching, teaching the youth, helping out at the Feast of Tabernacles. These are all gifts given by the Holy Spirit to help us fulfill those things that Christ would have us do. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. And by using those gifts, we can be well assured that we're going to be pleasing him. Philippians 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There again, those gifts, gifts of wisdom, all of those gifts that I just went through, and some of them that I didn't go through, are all toward that purpose of working out our salvation. If we listen to it, if we're guided by it, we pray about it. Continuing in Romans 8, 10, and 11, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore is, there, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who do, not walk, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit in, for the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That's why Jesus came, because the weakness through the flesh, it was impossible to man to work out his own salvation. And ultimately, it is impossible for man to establish a government as righteous as God's government will be. And it will come to the very edge of annihilation. But God will and, and intervene and end man's reign. And that's at the, near the end of the plan of God. I shouldn't say at the end, because it goes way beyond that, establishing a new kingdom, new heavenly kingdom in the heavenly Jerusalem here on earth. And beyond that, populating the universe. Romans 8, continue 4 through 8. That the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. 
And we, those are really good examples. They're all over us all the time. They're very easily seen every night on the news, so I don't watch the news anymore. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for to be kindly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so by coming to the first spring holy day of Passover and reconfirming our commitment with Christ and our belief in him and our trust in him and re renewing the covenant with him, we seek to please him. I'm continuing in Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was in Jesus Christ. Let, interesting little word there, it doesn't say develop, strive for, intellectually obtain this. Let implies surrender. And part of that is, and we have a lot of negative people say in the Bible, it says, don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other thing. The point really is to avoid the negative because the negative is what impedes the spiritual growth of righteousness through the spirit. And so if we go to the positive side of the ledger and look at those gifts and start eliminating the negative and replacing them with the positive, not to reference a cliche about changing habits, negative habits by replacing them with positive, but it seems that that is a good approach. Let this mind be in you that was in, in Christ Jesus. Surrender. Avoid the negative. Avoid, avoid the potholes in the highway. You, you ever go down the highway and you hit a pothole and it caves in your wheel? I had that happen to me one day. I was going, I was going over a bridge, so you don't have a whole lot of visibility down, down the road. And I hit that thing, caved in my wheel. Actually, didn't cave in my wheel right away. Tire went flat. There was a gas station right down at the corner. I just pulled in there. And the, and the wheel was, was offset. But yeah, you try to avoid those potholes. When you see them, some of the potholes that are going to be coming along in the future are potholes that um, are bigger than us and we won't be able to avoid. Okay, That's just a nice way of saying it. It may not be in our lifetime, but at some point, things in this world are going to get pretty chaotic. And if you're a Christian, things are going to be... Uh, pretty difficult for you. But whenever that happens, it happens. And we won't have to worry about that either because he will take care of us and see us through it. Philippians 2, 3, through, 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish, selfish ambition or com conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also in the interests of others. That's inherent in all of those spiritual gifts that we read earlier, is having the interests of others at heart. Jesus accepted the blame for your sins even before you were born. And sometimes it may be beneficial in our life for the sake of influencing others, for us to do the same thing, to accept false accusations, 
on ourselves and perhaps even about ourselves so that we can rectify a larger situation and work in harmony with God's purpose. Maybe it's not accepting false accusations. Maybe it's going out and swinging on the chandeliers. You know, it might be <laughs> we, can have, we can have two extremes here, both of them to result in a goal that Jesus has for us. In Romans 8 and 9, But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Continuing in 12 through 30. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. We're debtors to Christ. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And that's what these spring day, spring holy days start. It is the start of God's plan, starting with the Passover, ending with the Feast of Tabernacles, and looking forward to a glorious future. Continued in, the, in verse 17, and if children then heirs, heirs, of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I considered that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Boy, to get my mind around that one, nothing, nothing aggravates me more, and you can ask my sister about this. I probably complain to her so much about it, she, she gets very tired of hearing it. But nothing gripes me more because I like to divvy in the stock market as a hobby. And I can't tell you that since 2008 and the financial crisis, how much deceit and lies and deception is in that effort of gathering wealth. It, it is so appalling, so appalling. And it makes me mad when I know someone's lying to me and I can see the deception because they even, if you look far enough and deep enough, you can see the conflict. It's right there. And in a matter of two or three months, the proof comes out in the pudding and everything that they're pumping and dumping collapses. And you're sitting back there, if you have the wisdom and you say, they're lying to me, and try to find something that's positive and is worthwhile and is a value. It's becoming harder and harder. And I'll interject something I wasn't going to put here. There's a new financial system that's, it's actually started about two years ago, but it's just starting to get in the swing of things now. It's called distributed ledgers and blockchain financing. And I, I was going to read some things from it, and then I said I wouldn't put it in here, but it crept into my mind. Basically, in the description of it, it says, we won't need banks to finance for financing, 
and we don't need accountants to keep track of how the money is spent because we will have our distributed ledgers that we both agree on and it'll be on our computers and only we will have the keys to computers and so all of that will be integral and it will be hacker free. Wait, hacker free? How? We can't even keep our government's computers free. But the interesting thing, it says we'll make an agreement and blockchain financing means you don't finance it in dollars, you finance it in anything you want. Anything you want. You want to finance it in yen or cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin. I don't know if you knew it or not. If you work at Starbucks, you can take your salary now in Bitcoin. Bitcoin was up 10,000 Bitcoins for $1. Do you realize if you got $400 a week, you get what? I, I didn't do the math on it. One-eighth of a Bitcoin, maybe? Well, that's great. If it goes from 10,000 to 20,000, yoo-hoo, I, I, I quadrupled my salary for the year. But as it did now, and it went from 10,000 down to 8,000, <clears> now I only got $200 in my check. Not to mention all of the manipulation that can be uh, manufactured uh, through the computer systems. Since the agreement is only between you and I, we could even change the agreement. Oh, I don't want Bitcoin anymore. I want to be in yen. Well, the government got a hold of this, and they, they started their own commission to start looking into it. And they've got a council going on with the SEC and the IRS. And they're going to get involved in it, and, and I'm sure. And it's also backed, by the way, this is also backed by the International Monetary Fund, which is a, a prime supporter to make uh, some kind of currency be the world reserve currency. But anyway, all that aside, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subject to futility. The creation at design was subject to futility, vanity. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because when you come to see the futility of it, you realize it and it helps you with your hope and your faith. But the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together unto now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, redemption of our bodies. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought to. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches out the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He's there with you working out his purpose. And we know that all things work together for those 
who love God and are called according to his purpose. The greatest opportunity for mankind is the gift of God of eternal life that makes possible through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It surpasses any and all human achievements, goals, and objectives and accomplishments in this life. And it begins with the Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread. The emblematic humility, the supreme humility of Jesus Christ, emptying himself as a member of the God family and becoming human for the purpose of redeeming us and illustrating to us his love and his care for us.